You're listening to the Bay Christian Family Church Podcast. Praise God as you see that open your Bible at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Now, our evening services, I've always endeavored by the leading of the Holy Spirit is that in our morning service, we particularly spend a lot of time studying in detail the various aspects of God's Word. The Bible speaks about growing and studying and reading the Word line upon line, precept upon precept. And so we want to know what the Word says on an issue. We make sure that we understand it doctrinally. The Bible says by the mouth of two or three witnesses, a truth is established. So it's very much in a teaching flow. And the idea is that I made a decision a long time ago, again by the leading of the Holy Spirit, is that I, was, I grew up in a church where I'd go and sit and listen to messages, but I don't really remember much of them. And, you know, how do you really use it on Monday? Come on, how do you know, you, you, like I said before, you go sit and you just hear people talking and then you walk out and think, what did they actually say? You know, it's like you say, that was a great service. Good. What did you learn? Um, it was great. But when I studied the Word, I found out that God actually gives us His Word because His desire is for us to succeed. His desire is for us to do well. His desire is for us to increase and grow. And so we've been having a look at a scripture where God said that we need to lengthen our, our guide ropes. We need to strengthen the stakes, enlarge the place because He wants to take us to a greater place. And we were talking about no small plans, yeah, no little plans, yeah, is that we serve a God who does exceedingly abundantly above what we ask or think. But how do I get there? And so, of course, in the teaching aspect, we learn what God says. We learn how to put it into action so that we can use it in our lives. And so along the, many, along the years, we've done that and used the mornings for those really detailed teachings. But then what we did is in the evening services is take what we've learned and let's trust God for His empowerment to make it a reality. We're not just a traditional dead religious type where you just know what the Bible says, but we want to be empowered by His presence to see it happen. If Jesus said, go make disciples, how do I do that? How do I put that into action? What kind of power do I need? If He said, lay hands on the sick and they'll recover, I want to go, okay, now I've learned that. But now I want to put my hands on someone and see them recover. And you say amen. And so we want to see what we apply in our walk with God manifesting as a tangible evidence of His Word being true. And God said He watches over His Word to perform it. He's not mocked. What you sow, you will reap. And He's not a man that He would lie. And so He makes sure that when He sends His Word, it's for a reason and for a purpose. And so that that Word can accomplish what He sent it for. And so we recognize from all those scriptures, you put all that word together, you realize that God really wants to be intimately involved with our lives and to see His plan, His perfect plan for us manifest. And we want to see that happening in our lives. How many you say amen? And yeah, we read this scripture this morning. Now, if you weren't here this morning, you missed this morning's message. It is online. You can go and have a look at it. And I really encourage you to catch up with it. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, we ended with the scripture, verse 16. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not quench the Spirit. Now, in the mornings we were talking about the power of praying in the Spirit. 
And it's so easy where we become nervous about the things of the Spirit. I hear in your church, you do. And then people get nervous, like, should they answer yes or no? And family God, if He's saying, do not quench the Spirit, you recognize that everything that we do is by the power of the Holy Spirit. Anything that counts that we do, anything in the kingdom of God. Acts 10.38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And He went about doing good and healing all who were sick and oppressed the devil, for God was with Him. And so whenever God moves and you want to see power manifesting, it's going to be by the person of the Holy Spirit. And so we can't be nervous about the Holy Spirit. We can't be embarrassed by Him. We, we can't allow the gifts that He's giving in our lives. Do we, do we do it or don't we do it? I'm too nervous. I, I don't want it to be seen like, you know, in this crowd I'll do it, but not in that crowd. Come on, how many of you know? Let me see, how many of you are married? A lot of us. Do you believe your spouse loves you? Do you love your spouse? If not, please see a pastor. We will fix that for you. I don't want any hesitation in that answer. But how would you feel is if you tell your wife at home you love her and she's the best thing and you really appreciate her. And then around the family, you still show attention. But there's just a certain crowd that maybe you go visit over here and all of a sudden you don't really want people to know that's your wife. Come on. Is that genuine then? Is that total love? Because if you love your wife, you don't care who sees it. You don't care. I mean, if, if, you, if somebody all of a sudden is trying to act like they're not married that moment, I have to question that, that because why? What, what's, there's somebody in the room that you hope they don't know that you... Family of God, if we love God, we love all of God. Isn't that right? We love all of God, everything that He is, and that means everything that He comes with and everything that He gives us. It's the same way, you know, if, 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 if someone loves me, they don't love just, you know, one part of me. I love you, but not your hand. You know, I love you, but not your hairstyle. I just can't handle it. Hey, I come with this hairstyle. Whether you like it or not, that's me. Isn't that right? You, you love, if you love somebody, they'll go through different hairstyles, different body changes. And it's like, I like what Jesse Duplantis says, if these young people that love their, 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 this young person, you know, they fall in love with this girl or that boy because he looks really nice or she's really pretty, he says, take photos. Because <laughs> that's going to change. <laughs> but for me, my wife gets more and more beautiful as the years go on. You don't have to say amen. I'm saying it, and I believe it. How you say amen about your spouse, the same thing. And so the point I'm making is, no matter how the changes happen, you can never become embarrassed with a person. You never become embarrassed about that person, no matter what has happening at any moment in their lives. That's true love. And if we love God, and we truly love Him, and He is our God, and you want to see the full power of His life in your life, then we can never be embarrassed about Him or anything about Him. If you love God, you love His power, and you love His gifts, you love His move, you love His anointing, and whatever comes out of that meeting, in that moment, in that anointing, you're going to love that. 
That's why sometimes we have a move of God where people get so touched that, there's, that, that the joy of God overwhelms them and they begin to laugh because the presence of God, they don't know how to speak it out. They don't know how to say it. And it's just over bubbles and it just flows out of them. And I can see people in the crowd, they look like, what is going on? Because they've never been in a church where someone just suddenly starts laughing. They think, what is going on here? Now, if a pastor gets, well, I've got visitors. No, that's who we are. I said, that's who we are. Have I got the right crowd yet? Did the bay come yet? Let me me hear a big amen. So I'm not embarrassed by the Holy Spirit or His gifts. That's why Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, he says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant. Now, as I've said before, the word gifts in the in, in a printed Bible, in some obviously electronic Bibles, the gifts is in italics. So that was just inserted because obviously Paul went on to talk about spiritual gifts. So the translators wrote the word gifts in there. But the way it's written in the original Greek, it's now concerning spiritual. I don't want you to be ignorant. In other words, anything to do with the Spirit. Anything. Don't be ignorant about the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit begins to move and we're thinking, is that God? Then we need to say, hang on, we need to mature here. That's a decision you and I have to make. Is before we say, well, I don't believe that's God. First, go back to the Word and find out what He says on the issue. Before we just write it off and say, well, we don't do that in our church. No. If you're the church of Jesus, you're going to want everything He has for you. I said, if you're the church of Jesus, you want to do everything he said. Didn't Jesus say he's building his church? Say that Jesus is building his church. It's not up to the pastor to decide what happens in a church or not. The word decides it. Hallelujah. And so when you see verse 4, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4, he says, there are diversities of gifts, but it's the same spirit. There are differences of ministries but the same Lord. There are differences of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all. Now, I want you to notice the the, the Godhead is manifested in that verse as well. It's revealed. Now, you have God, the Father. You have Jesus, the Lord. And you have the Holy Spirit. I want you to notice each one has a function. They are all God. God is one. He's in unity with one. He's the Father, and we see Jesus, and we see the Holy Spirit. And this is the amazing mystery of the Godhead. And all three work together. Jesus said He doesn't say anything unless He says the Father. He heard the Father say it. He doesn't do anything unless He's seen the Father do it. And He said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, and He will not speak of His own authority. What He hears, He will speak. And so God the Father is the originator of all. He is the originator of all. And so if we go backwards through that list, we notice that God through Him comes the diversities of activities. He is the great planner. He is the overseer. He is the creative mind. He is the one that decides what we do. He's the one that establishes the plans. I know the plans I have for you. And they are plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Come on. 
I know some of those people say, well, that, that was just for, for Jeremiah. No, hang on. Uh, are you a child of God? Do you really think God doesn't have a plan for you? You know, we didn't wake up one morning and say, you know, I wonder what I'm going to do. You know, maybe I was in computers. I'll start my own Microsoft or something like that. Or, you know, maybe I'll go into business. Oh, I don't know. Maybe start a church. That's not the conversation you have. My career path was interrupted by God. I already had a plan. I knew where I was going. I thought I had a, something figured out for life. And then all of a sudden, one day, he got involved, and I want to put it this way, so that, but it's not negative because he's not the negative one. I was out of line, but it's like he got in the way. He stepped in and said, no, 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 that's not where you're going. I need you here. And I was like, is there someone else in the room? Did he get the right guy here? No, when God calls, it's established. And so he has plans for us. God has a plan for you. Say that. God has a plan for me. And it's a great plan. So the Father, He is the originator. He is the one with diverse activities. Then we see that the Lord, that's Jesus, through Him comes the different ministries. The different ministries. Ministries are supposed to be different. Jesus said he will build his church. We don't get to decide what we do. And here's the thing. Not any one church will do all the ministry. Yeah, we can see the context is there's different ministries. And that's sometimes where young pastors make a mistake. Is they, they feel like when they plant the church, they've got to do everything. You know, this is in the Bible, that's in the Bible. We just got to do everything. No, how many of you know your hand doesn't try to be a foot? You can walk on your hands, but only so far. Your feet are designed for the walking. Can I get a bigger amen? You understand what I'm saying? So the church is not going to try and be everything. I had to know what my lane is. I got to hear from God. What is it you calling me to do? Now, of course, through the years, people will come in and say, why are you not doing this? They go to some other church and they see that church is doing it. Why aren't you doing it? Because there's different ministries. Thank God for that ministry. I'm not going to try and be them because if I try and be them, I'm never going to succeed in what God's actually called me to do. And this will help a lot of believers as well, because sometimes what happens is we start following other people online, and we go to other conferences, and then we see something in another church, and think, why is my church not doing that? Why is my church not like that? I don't know why Pastor Allen doesn't speak like this guy. Here's the thing, because I'm not that guy. I'm not that church. God will use that ministry. Just because you go to a conference or you attend someone else's meeting, God will bless you through that. Come on, how many of you eat out at restaurants? Okay, so you've been to a restaurant. Have you ever gone to a restaurant and you think, now that is food. When you've had food talk to you. You understand? You wouldn't mind eating like that every day. Do you go fetch your bed and move into that restaurant? I'm living here from now on. This is where I want to eat every day. I'm moving in here. No, you don't do that. You still have your home. You go back home and you eat breakfast and lunch and dinner. That's where you're going to eat healthy and balanced. 
You go to a restaurant, it's not always balanced. What you're eating now, if you ate that every day, things would start looking bad. Come on, how do you know what I'm talking about? No, you have to, at home, you get the balanced meal. And so just because you go somewhere and you think, man, that was blessed and I felt the move of God and only when I have this at home. No, you have a home. God called you here. He placed you here. This is where He planted you. This is where you're going to grow. This is where you're going to be corrected. This is where you're going to be straightened out. This is where you're going to get vision. This is where you're going to get direction. This is where you're going to get your instruction. Because that's when you understand if you, it's okay to be different. Different's not wrong. It's just different. Why? Because we got a Jesus that knows what you need. And so when he called you and said, I want you to go to the Bay Christian Family Church, it was because there was a reason. It's amazing how people will come in and say, I'm so blessed, my life has changed, and I came out of debt, and my body was healed, and my marriage is fixed, and and then three years later, God called me, it was a season, hallelujah. Now they're ready to go somewhere else. Oh, you lie. Don't blame God because you feel uncomfortable that somebody offend. I'm not you. I'm talking about, you know, the God's already gone. Did I call any names? No. So we must understand that when God calls us, there are times we're going to go through discomfort. Come on, how many of you ever had discomfort in your marriage or you with the children? You don't move out on the first argument. Isn't that right? No, we get through it, but most of the time we're following the vision of God. We're in unity. We walk together. And so the same way, there are different ministries. And if you understand that, you can mature and grow in Christ. And then once we know there are different activities established by the Father, and we've got these different ministries, then within that there are diversities of gifts, but it's the same Spirit. It's the same Spirit. He's the one that gives us the different gifts. And then he says in verse 7, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. So the Holy Spirit is the one who determines where the gifts flow, how they flow, when they flow. And it's not like God blesses one person with a specific gift. Hallelujah, I've got the gift of discernment. No, that's not what the gift is. Go read it. We studied it in detail. It's the gift of discerning of spirits, and that's not just for an individual. It's whoever needs it at that moment. All the gifts, like the gift of healing. I have the gift of healing. No, Jesus is the healer. And then if someone near you needs healing, he will move through you to get a job done. And he can take a brand new believer who gave their life to Jesus this morning. And if they're the only one near the person and God wants them healed, they can lay hands on the person and that person will be healed. They don't have to go qualify at healing school to be ordained as a healer. If you believe, lay hands on the sick, they will recover. Why? Because it's the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, how am you born again? Lift that hand and say, I am born again. I have the Holy Spirit in me. That means His power. All the gifts are available as He purposes. If something's needed, I'm available. Holy Spirit, whatever you need me to do, I'm here. I'm ready. I'll lay hands. I'm not embarrassed. If I need to, I'll prophesy. If, I, if you want me to, I'll speak in other tongues. I'll interpret. I'll see your gifts moving. 
I am called by God to minister for the profit of all. Notice it's for the profit of all, not for your advertisement tape. Now we show footage because we want people to see that we are active, but it's not to promote self. It's to give God glory, to honor Him. It's His church. He gets all the glory. Say amen. And so in this, you have the Holy Spirit within you. Now, we had a look at, remember Solomon, when he went to go and honor God at the opening of the temple, and he made an offering of a thousand bulls, a thousand offerings, and God showed up that day and said, what is it that you want? Name it. And he said that I may have wisdom. And God said to him, you could have asked for gold, silver, your enemies, which is usually the prayers he got from everybody else. But he said, you didn't. You asked for wisdom. So I'm going to grant you wisdom like no other man has ever had. And with that, I'm going to give you gold, silver, and all the land. And so Solomon moved into great power. Now, we've already had a look at that in detail. Now, I want to lean on that because how many you know that God is not a respecter of persons? Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And once God has spoken, it is established. When He has said a thing, it is done. And so, yes, for specific people, they may have a specific call and have to be provided certain things. But whatever you need provision for, God will give that to you. Sometimes people who, for some reason, are against the prosperity message. I don't know why. Someone says, I don't believe in that prosperity message. Well, which one do you believe in? The poverty one. Because if you believe in poverty, why are you driving a car? I don't believe in a jet. Well, then sell your car. Start being true to what you say. Okay, no loud amens there. The point I'm making is that what you need is when somebody says they're against the prosperity message, what they're really saying is, and there I do agree, is that we don't pursue riches and wealth out of covetousness. I just want to be a millionaire. Why? Well, my problems will be over. Uh-uh. If we don't sort out our heart, money doesn't solve the problem. That's been proved many times before. You've heard me say it, and you've heard, probably heard many people say it. They've done studies where they go and follow up on people who've won the lotto, and we're talking about hundreds of millions of rands, and they go up years later, and these people are more destroyed than they were before. Why? Because if you don't know how to use money, then you still don't know how to use money, even when you've got a lot of it. But now you can really not use it in a big way. In other words, money amplifies. Whatever your problem is, you can do it really badly. Because money means now you can do it whatever you want to do. And because of that, what happens is as a result of too much money, if it's not used accurately, it will destroy a person. The Bible says the prosperity of a fool will destroy him. So it's not just about getting more money. The other thing is what do you need it for? What do you need it for? 
People will say things like, well, Jesus didn't die to make you rich. Now, what they mean is Jesus didn't die to give you a bank full of money. And I agree with that. But he did die to give you everything God has for you. And if you have everything God has for you, you are rich. Get a bigger amen. See, I don't check my bank account to see if I'm rich. I don't look at my car to decide if I'm rich. I don't compare my house with my neighbor to decide if I'm rich. You've heard this example before, but for those that haven't, if, if, if an evangelist, he's got himself a four by four, and he's, made, he's got to cross a desert to get to a, a, a far out village, and there's no petrol stations along the way, he's got himself four big jerry cans in the back with extra fuel, because he knows he's got to take two jerry cans to get there, and two to get back, and he's out there in the desert, and he's got everything he needs, and next moment, while he's halfway across the desert, too far to walk, this is the no man's zone. It's, going to, it's now make it or break it. And all of a sudden, he has a blowout. He's puncture in his tire. And so he thinks, oh, that's not a problem because he's, he's kitted out. He's no problem. So he jumps out the car and he opens up the back. And where there's supposed to be a spare tire, there is a check. For a million rand. And a little note. Saying, dear evangelist, I needed a tire. So I've borrowed yours. But in appreciation, here is a million rand gift to say thank you. Now, do you think that evangelist is excited at that moment? He looks at that million rand and thinks, what is a piece of paper? Help me in a desert. That, that, that's not a million rand. That's a piece of paper for him. Right now, he needs a tire. He's more poor with a million rand in his hand because a rich evangelist would have a tire in his boot. All he needs now is a tire, even just a puncture kit. You get what I'm saying? So it's not about the million rand. That's not what makes prosperity. It's understanding what you need at that moment is provided. And if you need a million rand, God will get that to you. But if you need a tire, if that evangelist has, you know, he stands in will praise God, I don't wear my tires, but thank you, I believe I have a tire. Next month, kaboom, 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 one drops into the desert. Now I can see why, really, how's it going to happen? Maybe it fell out of an airplane. But God ordained it because the, the evangelist had faith. The point I'm making is whatever you need, God will make sure you get it. You're getting what I'm saying. So when you look at Solomon and you think he became wealthy and that's not for every believer, you don't have to have. If you're not a king and you don't need a lot of gold and all that, then don't worry about it. But still trust God that everything you need will be fully provided, that you can be a blessing, that you can make sure you can meet every single need of your own and have enough to meet other people's needs. Two drowning people cannot save each other. You need somebody to be a strong swimmer that can save the person that's drowning. 
Poor people cannot save each other. You need somebody with the provision and the supplies to be able to give into someone else's life. And family of God, I believe with all my heart that God has given us enough wisdom as the church to destroy poverty out of this nation. But it's time for the church to stand up and stop apologizing for being wealthy so that we can get out and begin to be the hands and feet of Jesus and give everything that's needed to set people free, get them out of bondages. Amen. Hallelujah. Can I get a bigger amen? amen. And so you and I as the church are the answer for Jesus, for the answer for this nation. We are the hands and feet of Jesus. Whatever's needed out there, God has already provided it. And so now we're not apologizing for the gifts of the Spirit. If someone needs to be healed, you and I are there to be able to lay hands on the sick, see them recover. Don't apologize for it. Don't be embarrassed by it. If you're at a workplace and someone falls down and you see a manifestation, there's a, someone's possessed and all of a sudden they're screaming and writhing, you step in there boldly with the name of Jesus and you bind that devil and you cast it out. Hallelujah. Do I have a people here yeah, that believe in God and are on fire? And so we want to see these things manifesting in us and through us as a church. Hallelujah. Listen to what it says, Proverbs chapter 4. This is Solomon who wrote. This is the one who God gave the wisdom to. He says, wisdom is the principal thing. It's the key. Get wisdom. In all you're getting, get understanding. Exalt wisdom. She will promote you and will, when she will bring you honor when you embrace her. Family of God, the way I understand promotion is it's better. Your life is going to get better. How many of you are fed up with being an employee working nine to five hard and struggling and battling just to pay the bill, the lights and the water? How about if you owned the company? How about if you started your own company? Now, I'm not saying to anybody, go resign on Monday. That would be foolish. But believe God for promotion. Believe God for increase. How are we going to get there? With wisdom. Look at Proverbs 3, verse 13. Happy is the man who finds wisdom. And the man who gains understanding. Or woman. For her proceeds, the wisdom's proceeds, are better than the profits of silver, and her gain is better than fine gold. She's more precious than rubies, and all the things you may desire cannot compare with wisdom. Listen to this. Length of days in her right hand and in her left hand are riches and honor. Now, is that in your Bible? Say this, when I pursue wisdom, Wisdom will grant me length of days as well as riches and honor. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, family of God, I'm not checking out of this earth until I'm done here. Length of days. Everybody say length of days. We're going to live out the full length that God has given us. 
Amen. And we're not going with this, you know, God gives and God takes away. No, no. When God gives, He, he gives so that you can prom be promoted and increase. He doesn't take away. Only time I read that it was ever happened was when that guy got the one talent and didn't use it. That was taken from him because he wasn't using it. But you are using your talent. So he's not taking it from you. Come on. If you prove to God you use what he gives you, he will always give you more. So that you can accomplish what he's calling you to do. Shout hallelujah. I'm so glad you sound so excited. Come on, let's give a nice big hallelujah. Verse 17, wisdom's ways are ways of pleasantness. All her paths are peace. Wisdom is a tree of life to those who take hold of her, and happy are all who retain her. How do you want to be happy? Begins with wisdom. Amen. So how do we hit that wisdom today? I mean, Solomon had to sacrifice a thousand bulls. He didn't do it to buy wisdom. He had no idea that was going to happen, but God showed up. So how in you, if, we, if, if, if Solomon's saying, pursue wisdom, then how do I receive it? Well, have a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. Of him you are in Christ Jesus. Look up. Let me see how many of you are in Christ Jesus. Bump your neighbor and say, I'm in the book. Say, this is me. Tell him, you're about to hear about me. Now tell him, don't be concerned. You will also. You're there as well. This is you. Okay? This is me. This is you. Listen to this. You're in Christ Jesus. And Christ Jesus has become for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. How do you believe you're redeemed? Has that sanctified you? Yes. Are you being made the righteousness of God? So you qualify in all three so far. How about wisdom? He has become for you wisdom. You don't have to ask, please give me wisdom. You already have wisdom. So by faith, just receive, say, I have the wisdom of God. In other words, the same wisdom God gave Solomon after a thousand offerings, the day you received Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, He deposited the same wisdom in you. Here's the thing. Solomon couldn't be indwelt in, in, in by wisdom. He had to receive it by a message. You have wisdom living in you. Oh, come on! In other words, wherever you go, you can't have wisdom taken from you. You getting this? See, Solomon messed up late in life. Ah, no, no, I'm going to have that. Maybe we're in heaven one day, I'll go and just have a chat with him and find out what were you thinking, brother. But, you know, he kind of blew it at the end with extra wives and everything, just kind of went off track and got Israel into trouble, even after his father David had unified the nation. But here's the thing. He didn't have the Holy Spirit in him. As wise as he was, it was from the exterior. But praise God, you are born again. And that's why Jesus said, even though John was the greatest amongst all the prophets, a brand new believer is greater. 
See, as a brand new believer, you have more power in you than the greatest prophet you saw under the old covenant. We have a new and a better covenant and wisdom has moved into your life. Say this, I have wisdom within me. Praise God. God wants every believer to walk in this power of the Holy Spirit. He desires every believer to exercise these gifts. And you have it. Amen. Think about that. The wisdom of Christ. Do you think you could ever stump Jesus? Say, Jesus, I have this issue in my life. My business has this problem. And you describe it to him. And his shoulders slump. And he looks at you. My, my, my. Have you got a problem? I've got no idea how we're going to fix that one. Do you think you're ever going to catch Jesus like that? If he walked in that door now in his flesh and bone body and he came up here and asked you, what's the biggest thing you need to have fixed? Do you think he would be able to take this mic and tell you exactly what to do? Do you believe that? Then why wait for him to walk through the door? He's already in you. You're going home with him tonight. And all you need to do is draw aside and get into his presence and say, I already know the answer. It's not in my brain yet, but I have the answer. I know exactly what's needed for this situation. And I know the answer because I have the mind of Christ, the one who is wisdom I have within me. And you begin to pray in other tongues. And as you pray in the Spirit, you stir that up. And as you learned this morning, now your inner man searches out and brings that answer to your mind. And you will know what to do. Amen. Just lift your hands right now. and Just begin to worship Him. Just praise Him. Just glorify Him. Say, Father, thank You for Your presence. Thank You for Your anointing. Say this, I have the mind of Christ. When I was born again, Christ moved in. You dwell within me. And you, Christ, have become for me wisdom. Wisdom. I have the wisdom of God. The same wisdom that Solomon operated under lives within me. And I live it from the inside out. I walk in wisdom, the very wisdom of God. The same wisdom that knows how to create a universe and how to operate it, an entire universe. That creative power is in me. In other words, I know how to create a universe. Now, don't you know that statement gets some folk upset? You say, you know how to create, are you God? No, but He lives in me. Does God live in you if you're born again? And he said, ask whatever you want, I'll tell you. Did he say that? You just have to ask. If you really wanted to know how to create the universe, you could ask him and he would teach you. 
See, we've got to get our natural minds to look past that. You think, you do you really think I can go out and create a universe? I'm not talking about doing that. I'm not talking about going, for what reason? What purpose? That's not my call. If God called me to create a universe, I could. That's how bold I am with this. If God called it, I can. But He hasn't called me to create a universe. But He has called me to preach the Word, to teach the Word, to lay hands on people, to encourage people, to see the Word of God, faith, growing hearts, to build a church, raise disciples. Whatever you need to do, He's already equipped you with it. You have the capacity. You have the ability. You have the knowledge. Now draw on it. Amen. Praise God. Give Him praise if you got something today. Hallelujah. Come, let's stand together. Just raise your hands. I want to release the power of God. Father, I thank you that each and every person with their hands raised high, your very presence and power resides within each one. And tonight, I release that anointing and I call wisdom to come forth in the name of Jesus. That Lord, you would make it known plainly that each and every person would experience your presence, that that wisdom would manifest for whatever they need in every area of their lives in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Here's a little coaching tip. Have you realized the people that participating and are winning medals at the Olympics didn't wake up last year and say, you know what, the Olympics is next year, I want to go. They started from a young age. The swimmers would start swimming just one length, two lengths as kids and then grow and grow and grow. And sometimes we look at great men of faith and think, how am I ever going to get there? But you want to see the change take place. So start with the little things. You start with the basics. Amen. How many of you, as an example, would like to eat healthier? You, you want to change your diet. Now you go on the internet and Google and you can Google and there's all kinds of things. Some this group says eat eggs. This one says don't eat eggs. This one says eat the white of the eggs. This one says eat all the eggs. So which one do you believe? See, your body may need something different than my body needs. But if you say, Lord, grant me wisdom, that when I'm dishing up, you will tell me what to eat. And all of a sudden, you're going for something and you're going to go dish. And, you, and if you trust in God, you'll say, uh-uh, not that one. No, but it's nice. <laughs> See, don't quench the spirit. Don't quench. Now, I'm not trying to take anyone's fun and enjoyment away. I'm saying for those that are really serious, you want to follow God's spirit, you're going to listen to every unction. Don't quench the spirit. He says don't eat something. Don't eat it. 
There are things in my life that when I heard the Holy Spirit, don't eat that, it's out of my life. It's gone. I don't even, even sometimes I can look at it and think, hmm, that is nice, but I won't eat it. Because he said, don't do it. Amen. Maybe you're busy eating halfway through the meal. You hear stop. Stop. Push the plate aside. Okay, the amens are quiet now. I'm trying to, I'm, I'm, I'm busy coaching you. So I'm saying, but trusting the little things. I, I'm going to trust God here. I'm going to do this in this area. Now I'm going to do over here. Investments, you can do the same thing uh, with your relationships. How many of you ever said something and you know the moment you said it, you should have kept quiet and you knew as you said it, just before you said it, you actually heard, don't say that, but you said it anyway. Practice not saying it at that moment. You're about to say it. Holy Spirit says, don't speak now. Some of us just don't know how not to speak. But we have to learn to trust the Holy Spirit. And by doing that, you grow in wisdom. Amen. So that's what we're going to do from now. You ready for that kind of life? And watch what happens. Because as we learned this morning, God fixes everything. God fixes it. And as we listen for Him, we won't break what He fixes again. We'll see it succeed. And that's where you prosper until you're very prosperous. Hallelujah.